This is Couch and Coffee Table. I'm Michael Perry. We have some more Hitchcock planned for this week, and to that end, we're going to have one for today, and we're also going to have one on Wednesday. For today, we're kicking off this week with the Screen Guild Players and their adaptation of Rebecca, which aired on November 18, 1948. Hollywood, Loretta Young and John Lund in the great screen classic, Rebecca. Yes, from Hollywood, the Screen Guild Players, brought to you each Thursday night by Camel Cigarettes. How mild can a cigarette be? Smoke camels and see. Prove for yourself what noted throat specialists reported in a coast-to-coast 30-day smoking test of hundreds of men and women. In this test, the doctors reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Thursday night, Screen Guild night. When Camel Cigarettes bring you your favorite stars in their greatest motion picture roles. Tonight, it's a famous best-selling novel so magnificently transferred to the screen by David O. Selznick that it was undisputed winner of an Academy Award. In answer to frequent and insistent requests, the Screen Guild players present... Rebecca, starring John Lund and Academy Award winner Loretta Young. Last night, I went to Manderley again. But even as I saw the iron gate, the winding drive, and the great old house itself, I knew, as dreamers always do, that it was just a dream. Manderley is no more. We can never go back, that much is certain. Yet somehow, in my secret thoughts, I do go back to the strange days of my life which began for me in the south of France. I was very young and very poor. And because I had no family of my own, I had taken employment as the paid companion of a rich old woman. That's how I happened to be in Monte Carlo. And that's how I happened to meet Max in De Winter. I was walking along the cliffs one day above the sea. I saw a man step toward the edge to jump, I thought. And almost without knowing it, I cried out, No! No, stop! What the devil are you shouting about? Who are you? Oh. What are you staring at? Oh, I... I'm sorry, sir. I, I, I didn't mean to stare. I, well, I thought you were going to... Oh, you did, did you? Yes. What are you doing here? I, I was only walking. Well, get on with your walking, then. I can do very well without your screaming. That afternoon, they told me who he was. Maxim de Winter, the master of Mandalay. They said that his wife had died the year before and that he'd come to Monte Carlo to forget... I had no right to hope, a dowdy, awkward, penniless girl. But when he spoke to me the next day and apologized and... 
and asked to go along and watch me sketch, my heart leaped up into my throat and choked back the frightened no I might have said. We saw a great deal of each other after that. He was all generosity and charm. We danced and talked, and then one night we walked along the sea. A lovely night. The air was like water. You're very quiet this evening. I, I was thinking. I, I wish there could be an invention that, well, that bottled up memories like perfume. And then I could uncork the bottle and live the memory all over again. Sometimes the memory might grow stale or horrible. Oh, I, I wish I were a woman in 36 dressed in black satin with a string of pearls. You wouldn't be here with me if you were. Oh, oh good heavens, what brought that on? I... Here, blow your nose. Uh, I'm so sorry, Mr. DeWinter. And don't call me Mr. DeWinter. I have a very impressive array of first names. Oh? George Fortescue Maximilian. You needn't bother with them all at once. My family calls me Maxim. I'm not your family. You will be when we're married. Married? Why not? Of course, if you don't love me. Oh, but I do. I love you most dreadfully. I, I cried all last night because I love you so much. And I... Bless you for that. <laughs> but you don't understand. You see, I, I don't belong in your sort of world. And uh, what is my sort of world? Well, well Mandalay. A, a great estate and... Oh, you, you know what I mean. I... Suppose you let me be the judge of that. Only you'll have to promise me one thing. What? Promise me you'll never wear black satin or pearls and never be 36 years old. Mrs. Maxim de Winter, mistress of Mandalay. I said it over and over to myself all through our honeymoon, and still, I just couldn't believe it was true. And then suddenly we were home at Mandalay. The wide green lawns, the curving road, the vastness of the house itself, the staff lined up to welcome me. Uh, this is Frank Crawley, who manages the estate. I'm glad to meet you, Mrs. DeWinter. I'm terribly happy for Maxim's sake. This is Frith, the butler. We are glad to welcome you, madam. Robert, the second man. We hope madam will like it here. The cooks, the maids, the gardeners, they all seem glad to have me there. All but the housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers. Alice will come up and help you dress, madam. Oh, oh, thank you, Mrs. Dan. Alice is the parlor maid. She'll look after you till your own maid arrives. Oh, well, I, I haven't any maid. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that Alice will do nicely. I'm afraid not, madam. It's usual for ladies in your position to have a personal maid. Well, if you think so. Mrs. Danvers, I hope we'll be friends. This sort of life is new to me, and well, I'll rely on you. You've been here at Mandalay for a long while, haven't you? I came when the first Mrs. De Winter was a bride. Oh. Mrs. De Winter. The first Mrs. De Winter. Sometimes through the days that followed, it seemed that she was Maxim's wife, not I. In every room, there was some little sign of her. A glove. An address book. Some correspondence paper with her name engraved on it. Rebecca, that was her name. I learned to know it very well. 
And if I once forgot and tried to make myself the mistress of my home, Mrs. Danvers was always at my side. If I wanted a fire in the drawing room... Mrs. DeWinter never lit the fire in here till afternoon. Or if I spoke of going for a stroll... Mrs. DeWinter always instructed the gardeners after lunch. Or if I left a salad to the cook... Mrs. DeWinter was most particular about salads, madam. No matter where I turned, Rebecca had been there before. Was still there, in a sense, to mock my helplessness. Not only in the house itself, but outside, too. The day I walked along the beach and came upon a lovely cottage in a cove. Her cottage, as I soon found out. Her books, her robes, her monogram on everything. I closed the door, raced back blindly toward the house, and suddenly Maxim was standing in my way. Where have you been? Oh, walking along the beach. Cottage? Why, yes. Did you go inside? Well, Maxim, the door was open and I... Don't ever go there again. You hear? Maxima. I hate the place. And if you had my memories, you wouldn't go there or talk about it or make me think oh, about Maxima. it. Maxima, what is it? Nothing. Oh, forget it, my dear. Just forget all about it. Yes? Oh, good morning, Mrs. DeWinter. Come in. I know you're very busy, Mr. Crowley. Well, the estate does take a bit of managing, especially now that Maxim's back. Am I interfering? Oh, not at all. Won't you sit down? Oh, thank you. I, uh... I was down at the cottage on the beach the other day. Oh, were you? Yes. It, it seems to be going to rack and ruin. Well, I, I think if Maxim wanted anything done about it, he'd tell me. Oh. Uh... Those are all Rebecca's things down there. Why, uh, yes, they are. Uh, What did she use the cottage for? The boat used to be moored near there. What boat? What happened to it? Well, you see, um, it capsized and sank the night Rebecca was drowned. Oh, she was drowned? She was on the boat alone. There was a storm. She was washed overboard. Well, where did they find her? Near Edgecombe, about two months later. Mm. Maxim went up to identify her. It was horrible for him. Mr. Crowley, please don't think me morbidly curious. I promise I won't bring this up again, but would you answer just one more question? If I can. Uh, what was Rebecca really like? Well, I suppose... I suppose she was the most beautiful creature I ever saw. She'd been beautiful, very beautiful. Maxim still loved her. That's all I could think about for days. And then womanlike, I thought, I'll force him to forget. I'll make him think of me. I'll be beautiful, too. First of all, a new coiffure. Darling, what on earth have you done to your hair? Makeup, which I'd never used. My dear, aren't you wearing too much rouge? A whole new wardrobe of expensive clothes. Really, do you think that dress is quite your type? I tried so hard and saw only annoyance on his face. Or worse, amusement. And the bored indulgence that one saves habitually for a child. And still I would not yield. I was so pitifully eager as the summer costume ball approached. I thought if I can find a costume that'll make him proud of me, something different, so that it'll be the envy of all of his friends. And strangely enough, it was Mrs. Danvers who gave me the idea. If I may suggest it, madam, I think you might find a costume to suit you among the family portraits. 
Oh, you mean in the gallery at the top of the stairs? There's one in particular that might have been designed for you. I'm sure you could have it copied. Oh, really? Which one? One of Mr. De Winter's ancestors. Yes. Lady Carolyn. Oh, yes, it's very lovely. Do you think you like it? I've heard Mr. De Winter say it's his favorite of all the paintings. Oh, that would be a splendid idea. And thank you, Mrs. Danvers. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful indeed. <laughs> Maxim, where's that young wife of yours? Oh, she'll be down presently. Fussing with her gown, I suppose. It's her first ball, you know. Oh, what's she wearing, Max? I haven't the remotest idea. She's kept it a great secret. Wouldn't even let me... Oh, oh, oh there she is now. Oh, I'm so glad she's coming down. I want to... Good heavens. Oh, Lord. Good evening, Maxim. What the devil do you think you're doing? Maxim. Where did you get that gown? Well, it... Is the picture the one in the gallery? Go and take it off. Maxim, what have I done? What is it? That was the dress Rebecca wore at the ball last year. Curtain descends on Act One, and in our brief intermission, there's just time to consider a matter of utmost importance to every cigarette smoker. How mild can a cigarette be? Smoke camels and see. Prove for yourself what noted throat specialists reported about camel mildness in a coast-to-coast smoking test. In this test, hundreds of men and women smoked camels and only camels for 30 days. An average of one to two packs a day. After making weekly examinations of the throats of the hundreds of men and women who took part in this camel test, 2,470 careful examinations in all, the doctors reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Yes, the doctors reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Make the camel mildness test yourself. Test camels in your T-zone. T for taste and T for throat. If at any time you're not convinced that camels are the mildest cigarettes you've ever smoked, return the package with the unused cigarettes to the makers of camels, and you will receive its full purchase price plus postage. Camel Cigarettes now present Act Two of Rebecca, starring Loretta Young and John Lund. I thought my world had ended when Maxim spoke to me that way, in hate and anger as our guest looked on. I turned and stumbled up the stairs, and as I reached the top, somehow through my tears, I noticed that a door was being closed. The door of her room, Rebecca's room, and I knew who was there. And I was wild and hurt and almost hysterical. Straight to that door, I walked and opened it. You've come upstairs. You didn't enjoy the ball very much, did you? You know, you know she wore this gown last year. You deliberately suggested it for me. Why? Tried to take her place. I've... You let him marry you. I've seen his face, his eyes. They haven't changed since those weeks after she died. No. I used to hear him walking up and down, up and down all night long, night no. after night. No. Thinking of her, suffering torture because he'd lost her. I don't want to know. I don't you want to. You thought you could live in her house, walk in her steps. Oh, Take the things alone. that were hers, but you can't. 
She's too strong for no. you. No one ever got the better of her. Never. No. Never. She was beaten in the end. Stop it wasn't it. a man. It wasn't a woman. It stop was the sea. Please, stop it. You're open, oh. madam. Oh. I'll open the window for you. Oh, please don't. A little air will do you good. Oh, please. And you can hear the sea. No. Why don't you go? Why don't you leave Mandarin? No. He doesn't need you. He has his memories. He oh. wants to be alone with her. You've nothing to stay for. No. Nothing to live for, really. Look down there. Off the cliff. Oh. It could be easy, wouldn't it? No. Why don't you? Why don't you go? No. Go on. Go on. Don't be afraid. Don't be Not for an hour or more. I thought he'd gone back to oh, the no, house. No, no, he hasn't been in the house at all. Oh, I'm worried, Frank. I... You want to? I can see it in your face. Frank, there's something wrong. Well... Tell me, tell me, what is it? The diver who went down to inspect the bottom of the ship... Yes? ...found the hull of another boat, a little sailboat. Frank, is it? Yes, it's Rebecca's. Oh, where is he, Frank? In the cottage. He said he wanted to be alone. haven't had any sleep. I, I've been worried about you. You love me, don't you? Oh, yes. Yes, I love you very much. Thank you. I wanted to hear you say it just once more. Oh, darling, I'll say it many times again all my life. No. No, it's all over now. Rebecca has won. Maxim, what are you saying? They sent a diver down. He found another boat. Yes, I know. Rebecca's boat. It's terrible for you now, but maybe soon, darling. It's going to be worse. The diver broke one of the ports and looked into the cabin. There's a body in there. Then she, she wasn't alone. Someone was with her. I'm afraid not. There was no one with her. It's Rebecca's body that's lying in there. Oh, no. When I identified that other woman, I knew it wasn't Rebecca. I knew where Rebecca's body was. Lying in that cabin on the bottom of the sea. How? How did you know? Because I put it there. Now, will you look into my eyes and tell me that you love me very much? Oh, Max. You see, I was right. It's all over Oh, now. no, no, you're not to say that. I, I love you more than anything else in the world, my darling. I've always loved you. Always. Even when I knew you were thinking of her. You don't understand. Whenever you touched me, I knew you were comparing me to her. Whenever you looked at me or spoke to me or walked in the garden with me, I knew what you were thinking. This is what I did with Rebecca. This and this, but you, I... You thought I loved Rebecca? You thought that? I hated her. You... You hated her? I never had a moment's happiness with her. She was incapable of love, of tenderness, or even simple decency. You didn't love her. You, you, you didn't love her. She used to taunt me with her faithlessness, with how we'd fooled the world, with what a rotten fraud our marriage was. She knew what the family name meant to me. 
But I'd suffer anything rather than drag her through the muck of a divorce. Can you understand how I felt? Of course, darling. Of course I can. She was very clever about her affairs at first. After a while, she began to grow careless. Yes. She even had one of her friends visit her here. Here, in this very cottage. I warned her about that. I told her if I found him on the grounds, I'd shoot them both. One night, when she thought I'd gone to London, I came here, hoping to surprise them. But he hadn't arrived as yet. She laughed at me and oh. said, Maxim, you know, if ever I have a child, no one could prove that it isn't yours. She must have read what was in my mind because she laughed again and asked, What is it, Maxim? Are you going to kill me? I suppose I went mad for a moment. I must have struck her. She stood staring at me. She looked almost triumphant. And then she fell. Her head hit against a heavy piece of ship's tackle. When I bent down to help her, she was dead. But you didn't kill her. It was an accident. I didn't think anyone would believe me. I lost my head. Oh. I carried her out to the boat. I put her in the cabin. When we seemed a safe distance from shore, I opened the seacocks and the water poured in. Yes. Then I pulled away in the dinghy and watched her sink. Maxim, no one knows. Only you and I. And darling, you're safe. Rebecca's dead. That's what we've got to remember. She's dead. She can't speak. She can't harm you anymore. I identified that other woman. I identified her as Rebecca. Oh, but you could have made a mistake. Oh, darling, I'm not like, going to let you go now. I can't. It's too late. No, it isn't too late. I've loved you very much. I shall always love you. Oh, darling. But her shadow was between us all along. Yes, but it isn't anymore. Not now. No. I knew that Rebecca would win in the end. No, no, she hasn't won. No matter what happens now, she hasn't won. Hello? Oh, yes, Frank. Who? Colonel Julian. Yes, of course. I'll be right up. Who is it, Max? Who's Colonel Julian? The chief constable of the county. He wants to talk to me. Blasting nuisance, this thing, Maxim. I'm very sorry and all that. Thank you, Colonel. Of course, we could make a simple thing of it, following one set of facts. What facts? Well, suppose Mrs. De Winter was in the cabin and a squall hit the boat with no one at the helm. And probably the door jammed and she couldn't get on deck again. Exactly. The trouble is, uh, this diver fellow claims he found all the seacocks open. They can only be opened from inside the boat. So, looks like a clear case of suicide to me. Suicide? That's not the truth. Danvers, I'd prefer it if you knocked before you came in. We're the all equal before the law, Mr. De Winter. It's only my duty to tell what I know. What do you know? Mrs. De Winter never committed suicide. She wasn't that kind. And besides, she'd been to see the doctor in London just that afternoon. Dr. Baker on Goldhawk Road. Oh, come, come now. What's that got to do with it? Mrs. DeWinter had everything in the world to live for. The doctor had told her she was going to have a child. Oh, what good will it do, Colonel, bringing us all the way to London 
We know what the doctor will say. Never can tell, Maxim. Danvers wouldn't have lied. She must have known we could check her story. Well, Maxim, that's all we're doing. Frank, if the doctor bears her out, I haven't a chance. Well, first, let's hear what the doctor says. If he says it. Gentlemen, I've been doing a good deal of thinking in there. We doctors have certain ethics, of course, but under the circumstances... You mean you'll answer our questions, doctor? If they pertain to medicine. That's fair enough. Doctor, the last time you saw Mrs. De Winter, what did you tell her? I told her she was carrying a child. You did? And that she'd never bear it. Why not? Cancer. Deep-rooted and malignant. She couldn't possibly have had more than two months to live. I was right, gentlemen. It was suicide. Maxim, there are certain laws about speed, you know. When I telephoned, she said she'd wait up. Frank, there's something you don't know. No, there isn't. I didn't kill Rebecca, Frank. But I know now that when she told me about the child, she wanted me to kill her. That was her plan. Don't think about it anymore. Don't even... Frank, look. Over that hill. That's strange. It's too early for dawn. It's not the dawn. That's fire. Frank, that's Manderley. Mrs. De Winter. I thought I saw her, sir. Oh, where, where? Max? If anything's happened to... Oh, Maxim. Thank heaven you come back to me. Oh, darling, darling, are you all right? Oh, Maxim. Mrs. Danvers, she's gone mad. She started the fire. She said she'd rather destroy Mandalay than, than see us happy here. Look. Look, the West Wing. Max, she's up there. She's in the West Wing in Rebecca's room. There he goes. Mrs. Danvers! Don't cry anymore, darling. No. It's over. It's all over now. Is it, Max? Is it really over? Fire burns clean, they say. Even shadows. Even shadows. No more shadows between us, my beloved. No more shadows. Our stars, Loretta Young and John Lund, will return to the microphone in just a moment. There's a simple, enjoyable way to discover just how mild a cigarette can be. Try Camels. Yes, prove to yourself what noted throat specialists reported when hundreds of men and women smoked Camels and only Camels for 30 days, an average of one to two packs a day. After weekly examinations of these smokers' throats, the doctors reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking Camels. That's how mild camels are. But when you try camels, you'll discover more than mildness. You'll discover rich, full flavor, too. The rich, full, supremely enjoyable flavor of camels' choice tobaccos, 
properly aged and expertly blended, try Camels. See how mild a cigarette can be. And remember, Camels by the carton are the best buy. And now, a well-deserved curtain call for our stars. Loretta, John, believe me, you both gave Academy Award performances tonight. Oh, thank you, Fern. All of us like to do our very best when we appear here with the Screen Guild players, because the show is very close to our hearts. Am I right, John? Well, I'll certainly go along with you, Loretta. <laughs> this program supports the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house and hospital. And where could you find a finer work than that? Well, John, I know one other good work that deserves a mention. For several years now, the makers of Camel cigarettes have been sending free smokes to servicemen's hospitals all over the country. Yes, and this week, among other hospitals, free camels are being sent to the Veterans Hospital, Marion, Indiana, the U.S. Naval Hospital, Chelsea, Massachusetts, and the U.S. Marine Hospital in Galveston, Texas. That makes a total of more than 180 million cigarettes that the camel people have sent to servicemen and veterans. Well, happy smoking, fellas. Your cigarettes are on the way to you now. The Screen Guild Players are directed by Bill Lawrence. The adaptations are by Harry Cronman. Remember, Thursday night is Screen Guild Night. And next week, one of the greatest stories that came out of the war. A thrilling tale of espionage and intrigue. 20th Century Fox Studios' great dramatic story of the OSS. 13 Rue Madeleine. Starring Humphrey Bogart, Leon Ames, William Lundigan, and John Beale. Be sure to listen. Rebecca was presented through the courtesy of David O. Selznick, whose forthcoming production is Portrait of Jenny. Loretta Young will soon be seen in the Hal Wallace production, The Accused. John Lund is currently appearing in Miss Tatlock's Millions, both Paramount Pictures. For fun and hilarity, don't miss Camel Cigarettes' other great show over these same stations. Tomorrow night, The Jimmy Durante Show with Alan Young. And remember, Thursday night is Screen Guild Night. The greatest stars and the greatest stories brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. This is Vern Smith speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you stopping by and listening in with us here on the couch. And we hope you'll keep coming back. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out some of the other episodes we have to offer, as well as new episodes, which are uploaded every Monday and Wednesday. We are listener supported, as we have always been by you, the listeners. We thank you all for your support. Coming up Wednesday, uh, we have... Another Hitchcock to round out the week. And then the next week after that, uh, we may go with some suspense. For uh, Wednesday, we are going to be doing Shadow of a Doubt. That's Shadow of a Doubt. And we hope that you'll be tuning in. Until then, this has been Couch and Coffee Table. Until next time. Be good to yourself.